What is up everybody? Welcome to NFTs in the Arena with your host Mike and John and today we have a very special guest and a friend of mine is actually South African based here in LA with me. His name is David Lindecki. David is the director of product for Orbit Partners which is a software engineering and product design company based here in Los Angeles. Dave, welcome. How are you doing mate? Thanks, Mark. Thanks, John. Good to see you guys. Good to chat with you guys. John, what's up? What's up? What's up? So just as we've been doing in the last few episodes, we dive deep into the NFT space and understand what's going on in the NFT world, whether it's in sport as well as in the crypto world. And the reason why we've brought Dave on is more so that he's just an all-out good guy and very um, much in this tech space. But Dave was one of the first guys I was introduced to, at least in the, in the, with regards to NFTs, where he actually did an NFT collection for South African cricket star Dale Stain. And one of the things that I started learning about NFTs by virtue of seeing the, the design in which Dave had done with Orbit Partners. So Dave, just I think kicking off and going from the outset, with regards to the NFT collection you did at Dale Stain, can you just take us through how it came about? And I mean, I would have assumed that at the time that you actually were posed to do this project, that was something that was definitely new to you and Orbit Partners. Yeah, so actually it was interesting how it came to be. So I'm very good friends with someone who was one of his asset managers. So their asset managers had an interest in NFTs and they were looking for someone who could assist with 3D design. And one of the platforms we have at uh, Orbit that we offer is 3D design and rendering. So we had done a little bit of work for City of Los Angeles and Walmart, and but that was predominantly like product design that was industry specific, nothing with this abstract web three kind of vibe. So we're tasked to then come on board and make these NFTs. So there were four NFTs, three different cards, and then one ball. Um, yeah, it was a super interesting product. Fortunately, with that, there were guys, the team was larger than just simply us. We contributed to the visual assets and to the, you know, all the design and, and the website, et cetera, for that drop. But it was actually led and guided by people who had a bit more experience in the space. So for us, it was at least, it was daunting, but not like something that we were completely in the blind. At least we had someone to assist with us. And also it was great that we could just do a limited a uh, bit of work, like we just simply did the visual while then being able to learn about this whole drop and the NFT space, you know, for future reference. So, yeah. Did the drop no, happen on, cool. on OpenSea? Yeah, yeah. So it was, I would say it was also interesting when they decided to do it, they were quite uh, on trend and following like latest yes, developments, yes. you know, in the space. And I think that maybe it was timed a little too early. Um, okay. So, you know, it, I think that timing was everything with this NFT space over the last like six to nine months. And then, yeah, I feel like it was, yeah, a decent, decent project, but um, very, very interesting at least. Yeah. So what, what I would say is, sorry, John, and I think this will, this will go into your next question. Now, what, the reason why I'm going to ask this is just going to tee you up as well. Six, is six. that like, and this is just being quite blank because we just talk open here. Is that how successful was that collection? Because I know after speaking to you, you believe it could have potentially done better. So, John, just uh, I don't know if you had a particular question. No, no, no. That's that, actually the question I, I kind of wanted to ask, but obviously inherently directed at Dale. How did he feel about it? 
So I would say that he was happy with the outcome. I mean, we had got a lot of feedback from him during it, and I think we'd come to you know a product that we'd all felt was a decent was a decent Brilliant. job. Um, what I feel that could maybe have done better, you know, we could have definitely, yeah, I guess built a little bit more of a community before the drop. Okay. So that was the only like key thing that we had learned was prior to that, there was like a lot of traditional kind of pushing of it. So social media, a little bit of the other, so like, yeah, predominantly social media kind of to get this hype. But what I've seen is with the best NFT drops, you actually have to have that Discord channel and server going where you're building hype, you're building community, you have a wait list, you, you have like, you know, benefits for early people. Mm. So I think that was a good learning. Amazing. But yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, that, that's something that we always speak about, Jonah, is community and the importance of community. And like I said, Dave, like Jonah and I have also spoken about times of, and you and I have also probably had this conversation outside of this, is that, the whole board Ape Yacht Club and the whole movement to buy NFTs and the amount of money that was thrown at this. And there's been times where John O and I actually saw beyond this whole hype and actually why this is going to be more valuable than what meets the eye right now. It's not the actual digital asset, it's the community in which they're actually invoking and bringing together a bunch of guys that have obviously a significant amount of wealth to dispose on something that is incredibly high risk and high reward. And I think these kind of communities is going to be almost like a boys club where to get in is very difficult, but the opportunities in the network that you can actually leverage from that would be something that I think a lot of people that actually are in belief of this project would, uh, would actually um, experience. Yeah, I agree. But I think then the key and the onus goes on those community leaders to actually build that community. It's not simply enough to offer a collection that's high priced and just simply because there's like 98 other people's wallets who own these things that there's some sort of community. It actually has to be community. Mm -hmm. You actually have to be talking in a space. Mm -hmm. You know, someone needs to be moderating this, putting events together. So like I give credit to Yuga Labs, obviously with Bordev. They've recently been doing this other side uh, metaverse demos. And there's been thousands of people coming together on this like, browser-based game, you should go and Google it. Very cool. And it looks like kind of like Fortnite. And so they're using a UK group called Improbable, who does a lot mm -hmm. of this stuff in, in design and defense. So I guess they kind of hacked that like growth rate and had the money to just simply buy something that Improbable had basically off the shelf, this kind of latency-free browser-based mega world, um, but very cool. So at least there, they're starting to do events and progression and innovation and stuff. But a lot of these other collections, other than a Discord server and the fact that the price was high, I don't think that it warranted necessarily a community, if you know what I mean. And then we've seen a lot of those said collections, prices dropped and like not recovered. Even in life, if you remove the recent general mm -hmm. macro drop, prior to that drop, I think a lot of these, the biggest issue with these NFTs is there's zero secondary market to sustain the demand, especially as these communities haven't matured yet. So, yeah. So look, yeah. I think there's definitely, uh, uh, from what I've been hearing, firstly, I want to ask, does your, your company handle the PR and should I say community management of these, these NFTs? For instance, Unfortunately not. Is it? Yeah. That, that's like the golden question. Yeah. So many exactly. people have asked, 
do you know how to run a Discord server for yes. us? So whoever can somehow find a lot of, you know, talented, knowledgeable people in the Web3 space who can actually lead these uh, yeah. communities is going to be a great success, On, yeah. I think. I believe it's the yeah. new agency for, for much like how uh, agencies treated social media with Facebook, Instagram. I think this is the new wave that's coming, but it requires a more smart, intuitive individual, which is perhaps Gen Z's. Only thing about it that like, we, so a few friends in Cape Town actually pinged me and they said, do we know? And they were interested in doing something like this. But the thing about it is that it's not that scalable. So yes. think about it. Yes. To manage this community successfully, is an all-day affair. Mm. So that's one person moderating and running that Discord server. I would argue you could maybe run two, two. Yes. as yeah. a full-time yes. job. Yes. As yeah. a full-time job. Yes. So like the thing is that like let's say you hire five talented people, the max number of clients is ten, yes. and there's like I can tell you that the demand is significantly higher than what you can actually supply for that service. Yes. So, well, the thing is, this is obviously like um, leading towards this new change, or should I say re uh, revolution in how NFTs are going to replace uh, typical ways of, of um, how can you say, logistics and just quantifying things just generally, as like much like barcodes have done in the past. Now, with that being said, there's going to be a lot of um, communities developing outside of the sphere of just, uh, for instance, JPEGs and art like much like uh, things that are actually sustainable uh, ticketing systems and all that kind of things can eventually have their own kind of communities much like uh, ticket uh, companies having an instagram page having a follow there so yeah i think there's definitely a lot of opportunity with this change and going into web3 and that yeah you know what i find interesting what dave said and i think it's uh, probably an issue that is being currently faced and I think the only market that might spare this wave, Dave, is the sports industry. And I'll tell you why. But going to your point of where you spoke about, there's no secondary market. There's like that, all that hype. And after that, that hype has happened. There's like no one like seeing the value in it. And that's obviously why the market is in this, the state it currently is in this winter market. But like there's been numerous articles and numerous examples of how the sports industry now is going to be pioneering the space because they now effectively see the value beyond the actual digital artwork, but more for the utility like ticketing, fan token, season ticket holders, what John o was just saying. So I do think like the, the next year, like you and I both have spoken about offline is how everything, all the, all the rubbish will be washed away now and the true, the true organizations that add real value will arise now and actually innovate because now they've weeded everyone out. But I think the one thing I wanted to bring in now is speaking to your point of managing these, these discords, right? It is one individual or maybe a, an individual doing two discords. But now the conversation maybe um, you want to add to is regarding AI, artificial intelligence, where we get to the point where with these chatbots that will effectively be integrated are to the point where they can converse and actually understand the market, understand the niche, because now they're going to be using these algorithms now where they feel the data from the information that's relating to the specific Discord and NFT collection. Do you think that's something that will happen? I think there was still a few years out. Um, I think that the problem is, is not necessarily the content for the actual thread. So it wouldn't be like, I think that the computer could quickly ingest all the available content pertaining to that particular project. The problem yeah. is the nuanced conversation that occurs 
in these threads, as well as the use of slang terms, maybe not even like particular to region, but particular to that particular thread. So there's a lot of very, very nuanced conversation. So to actually contextualize that is very difficult as a neural net. But interesting developments in the space, actually, if you look at Google, they just recently had some issues. I'm not sure if you've seen. Mm -hmm. One of the engineers actually came out and thought that the AI that he's chained to, I think it's called Lambda, but it's basically yeah. exactly this kind of application, um, like neural net focused on conversational functions. And he believed that it was sentient. And that, I mean, whether, you know, like, I, I don't believe that, but the point being is that the fact that engineers smart engineers at Google are getting to the point where they believe in that they might be communicating with someone. Maybe that makes me a little bit more bullish than to answer your question that like maybe in the foreseeable future, we might be seeing a lot of these applications. On that same thread, I think it was like a year or two ago at Google I.O. Um, mm -hmm. Sundar Pichai uh, demoed that call center and like where Google then could call so basically, Google could call uh, and text and make bookings and stuff for you. That hasn't, that hasn't obviously come in, but Google would, on your behalf, phone someone and, or on your behalf, like, accept a phone call for you and take a voice message, etc. So I think... As your, but as your voice, though, utilizing your... No, 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 oh. no. But it would speak yeah. in and of itself. I try to find the clip for you. Very impressive. But yeah, so, I mean... When we're at a point where we can integrate those kind of platforms and services with Discord, I'm not sure. But I would say, like, not in the foreseeable future to match the demand that's required for these communities. I think for the next few years, we're going to need humans who are knowledgeable about the Web3 space. Definitely even with strategy, because there's obviously yeah. a strategy to build the community, which is outside of the sphere of that interface itself. So I think that kind of um, conjuring up of systems are going to definitely be handled by people for a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, AI definitely is going to, well, general AI is definitely going to replace uh, redundant processes, even in social medias, et cetera. It's very interesting. So, Dave, I think this, 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 this is a, a cool pivot uh, in the direction of the conversation now. So. I know that like you, we can speak days about what's going on in the crypto and the news world with regards to NFTs. And you and I have kind of touched on what happened with Three Arrow Capital, right? Which is obviously this fund in which these these guys from I think they were based in Singapore actually in bus now having raised I don't know how much money, Dave. But I, the, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want to take the, the conversation to something that's quite more humorous. So I know Dave, although he's done NFTs, he also sometimes finds it difficult to understand the value in some projects, right? Which speaks to this point, like this trust. How, how the hell are people investing so much money in these things, right? And it's obviously speaking to their belief in not only the individuals, the technology, but also using history or historical data as a bit of inspiration. The dot-com boom. The guys that invested there, I mean, obviously 99% of them went bust, but the guys that made it big, right? This is the hope of the guys that are investing in these funds, I would imagine. But like, what is your whole take on that whole debacle and the whole take on this industry and the amount of money that's going around? I think that it's a, yeah, I think it's a broader issue with the venture market and with the whole tech scene at the moment in the tech industry. I think these lofty valuations have to at some point be cut, but there's also still so much liquidity in the market. I know we're facing doom and gloom and we've got this global recession and inflation and all this. 
only reason we have inflation is because there's so much liquidity in the market. There's so much money. There's so much money. Like yeah. the problem about that is that there's so much money. So that like we've worked recently with some clients and there's been some clients that we've actually took clients with. But there's been a common thread in the market that we've seen is just how easy it has been to raise money on not much. So these we like, yeah, I mean, myself and my business partner, uh, he's American, Anthony. At times we've often wondered if maybe we shout are- out Shout out to Anthony. Shout out to Anthony. Sometimes we wonder like, are we missing but, something? Because it makes no sense to us. It makes no sense to us how much money is being applied and plowed into these markets. And the craziest thing is in the venture capital space, you know, in California, et cetera, these companies go and they raise on a series A round, okay, seed round, $3 million. So they'll back a company and then these founders will take the money and they'll ponder about what they want to do and they'll spend money and they'll waste it. They'll throw a launch party and they will get some consultants and, you know, a month or two later, and there's a few hundred thousand dollars that has been exhausted. So we keep witnessing these kind of events, you know, through third parties and network and hearing about this in the startup space. And we keep wondering how these funds continue to do this. But the key result is that the valuation supported. So if they go and they put money into these, they know, as you said, 99 are going to fail. But the one, the one success is a thousand extra turn sometimes mm -hmm. for them. So if you've yeah. made 99 losses and you've got a thousand times, you, you, you 10 extra money. Yeah. So that's how they operate. But I mean, it's crazy how much inefficiency there is in the application of the capital and the usage of it. But then in terms of the Web3 space, I think it was also just a lot of hype. And the people saw these like, you know, these altcoins booming. And that also, I think, led the flurry that a lot of people felt they missed out on Shiba Unu, myself included. So I think a lot of people then kind of didn't want to have that same FOMO in the NFT space. And I think that kind of mindset applied there too. So makes yeah. no sense to me, Mike. So no, I know you're going to have a good opinion on this. No, look, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of it's hype. It's people with money trading a whole bunch of things. Look, I, I haven't dabbled much in NFT. I'm more into um, building a portfolio, passive income streams, you know, on the blockchain more than investing in JPEGs and that kind of stuff. Not to say it doesn't work, but yeah, when it comes to the reasons why and how it's, it's, it's fitting in with venture capitalists over that side. Yeah, look, I don't have much, much say on how they're spending their, their funding and how their returns are. Yeah, and I think which is obviously experienced as a journey.com boom how fucking deterred people were from the internet right the internet's gone bust it's never going to be a thing again mm. and obviously i think this is the opinion that a lot of people that are investing in nfts are using as their backing but obviously it's incredibly questionable and i mean a lot of people probably don't hold that same sentiment but dave i wanted to ask you i mean you you you're pretty much into sports and stuff like that how do you how do you see the utilization of NFTs in sports? Having already done that NFT with a professional athlete, I think what would add value is I think the aggregation of a few drops of athletes. So instead of doing your own drop, where you're going to do the branding and 
you know, you got a unique uh, product, etc. I think you'll start to see these like platforms where they will acquire a lot of top, they'll have like a top roster of athletes. And then there'll be this uh, community where if you own one of the athletes uh, tokens, you'll then get access to another athlete's tokens. So that's how you can add that secondary market and that kind of utility instead of doing like, I would say, and, and I suggested also to, to the team that was behind the Dale Stone, you know, initiative was to find additional cricket players and athletes to add to the collection and have a greater you know, collection of these drops where there's some sort of utility between the, to the, the, the tokens and the drops. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. But interesting, Mark, look at LeBron.com. So that's the key is that, uh, to, again, secondary market for sports NFTs is difficult. You know, you know what is interesting? So like obviously you guys know we spoke about it before, but just for the audience. So today I went to an event here in Los Angeles where Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk's um, NFT company, VFriends, had hosted an event in collaboration with a sneaker retailer here in LA called Cool Kicks. And they had this whole event going on today for a couple of hours where Gary was obviously giving away one of his new books. And obviously they were selling this, this golden fox thing where they also hold, I think, 500 of these things to obviously for resale and now forming part of the community. But I asked him the question with regards to NFTs and particularly, how do you convince athletes to come onto something like Sports Finder to actually buy into this? Because last year, a lot of these athletes were doing these NFT collections and working with these, these, these brands because these, these companies, all these NFT companies were throwing large sums of money at them just to secure them. And when I, he said to me today, he just said to me, patience, patience, man, time. And almost alluding to the fact that we all need to just be aware that this is going to take as much time as any new innovation happens. So if you are in it, you need to remain in it and just to be a bit more innovative on your side. Was what kind of the, what I took away from that. So I think what I also wanted to get to now, what I just thought about Dave was talking about his partner, Anthony, Jono. He's, he's, a, he's a crazy guy with regards to like the challenges he puts upon himself. So I know the one that he had cycled, I think, from Vegas or tried to cycle from Vegas to LA. But we'll, we'll tell you the story again of when he actually went to go film those, those immigrants crossing the border in the United States. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know what I should be saying or not. <laughs> but yeah, no, but go ahead. <laughs> first and then I'll answer. <laughs> no, so I mean, like, he was kind of telling us the story of like how there was this, this, this illegal immigrant thing happening at the border and I don't know how long ago it was, but he went there just to go see it because it was such a large movement and he was filming this thing. And like, we, this is a guy that's obviously incredibly smart, incredibly professional, but like kind of likes to go explore these things. And what I took from that whole conversation was that we are so caught in our daily lives where this guy can go think of to do something like that and something so amazing. And that's why like, even today I find myself just driving around LA looking at like where we actually live, like familiarizing myself with, with the area. Like, I never, I've never done that before really, right? Like I've been in LA for nearly three years now and I'm not really familiar with the area. Like, my point is like just doing things outside of your working sphere and like your, where you're you, like, I can quite easily just say on a Sunday, I'm going to sit here and work and not actually go do that. But that's why one thing you can uh, say to everyone is that I phone this guy probably more than his mom phones him. You must see, John, I'll leave Mike about five missed calls <laughs> to do stuff. 
I mean, like, let's go do stuff. Because there's so much to do here. So I agree. <laughs> this, this is our home now. It's time to like get out and do stuff. And Amazing. So, yeah. So are you from Cape right. Town back in SA? I grew up in Durban. And then yeah. I was in Cape Town after school. Amazing. Uh, for university. Amazing. And, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And like, I mean, yeah. when, when Dave moved over, he wasn't like really doing what he was doing. It was like, I mean, you were working for another South African, I think, right? No, so I was actually, I was involved in technology. Mm. And then when I arrived in Los Angeles, then I was consulting actually for technology, but for a South African here who was doing clothing. So there's a lot of like new innovation stuff that needed to implement IT and stuff. Um, and then from there, then I worked at Albert, which is a digital bank. So okay. I was senior product manager at Albert in, uh, in Los Angeles. And then now uh, working with Anthony and director of product at Orbit. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, Jonathan, like, how, how would you perceive like coming to the United States? I know like it's something that you, I think mm. if you had the opportunity mm. would like to come, like, yes. what, do you, what, do, what do you think is like something, something that wants you to make, like, why, why do you want to come here? Because obviously there's some relevant hurdles in your way to get you. But For me, it's, paperwork and stuff. yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm closer to individuals that I look up to if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. also just the, the, the sphere of, of individuals are a little bit more saturated that are, are in line with the kind of way I think. And I'm not, that, that's obviously a presumption because I don't know the culture, I don't know, but uh, based on conversations we've had and also just the, the kind of people that are immersing themselves in that space uh, are, are the kind of people I wanna fuck with. Um, they, they're motivated inspiring and that's what i feel is lacking here is just that that's that top end leadership um people are very very tenacious they've got a lot of grit south africans but they don't have a lot of guidance from from big mentors big mm -hmm. leaders and that's what i feel like um a country like the states you know particular la um has those kind of dudes and chicks here eh? it's crazy I mean, Dave, like, since you've been here, like, with regards to your career, like, do you think, obviously, it was a good move for you, but I'm saying, like, what do you think has happened that you never thought might have happened? Like, do you think you would have become as successful as you are now in South Africa with regards to the time frame that you have done it in? I, I think, and I'll speak even and answer on your behalf, I don't think for yeah. either of us it would have been possible. I think mm -hmm. not only is the economy, like, you know, multiple times bigger here with, and like significantly more opportunities not only there's that but also what i love about the united states is that there's this belief if you surround yourself with the right people here they are supportive and they believe and they push like mm. the one thing mark you've seen is that i think that the americans are very welcoming and they're very they they're very nice to foreigners who want to work hard so like yeah, if you come yeah. here with the right attitude and i love the united states i just want to I one day want to contribute and add value to the United States. And, um, you know, if people can sense that that's the honest truth, you can do well here because like they reach out and they help you. So I think that back home in South Africa, this is mindset, a lot of uh, like tall puppy syndrome, cutting down, everyone's trying to kind of step on one another. Where in the United States, states everyone's supporting one another yeah so like here people celebrate one another's successes we're back home people are so you know inclined with this small this like small town syndrome to like 
chop at people who are striving for things and, and working really hard. So that's, that's been my impression, at least moving here. Do you think that is why countries like South Africa fall behind when it comes to innovation and, and, and technology? It's because they have this mindset. And I know, John, you and I have spoken mm. about how South Africa, and obviously, like what Dave and I have been in both environments now. So, like, I would say that my opinion is much the same, and I believe in the, the same sentiment that Dave has said. It's an interesting thing because you come into a country that's obviously sometimes looked at negatively by the rest of the world, but obviously living here and seeing how welcoming we have been received as foreigners has been interesting. But like, what do you think is something, do you think that the NFT or the crypto space or Web3 will progress as fast as it should in South Africa because people have this mindset? Or do you think we're kind of skewing this assumption? Um, I think um, I think that the, the progression of the, the space is going to be predicated on, on outside influence. So for instance, big companies from you know, the States from Britain, from Australia. I'm just, I'm just throwing, you know, spinballing mm. here. But I do think a lot of the innovation and movement is going to come from uh, an outside sphere purely because, like I said, the people over there in first world places that have the funding and also just the know-how and the tenacity to push for this, this understanding are doing it in that kind of um, environment more so than in a space like this. Because over here, we, we are a couple of years behind. So trends, uh, the way to make money is slightly a little delayed in terms of uh, this, this, this new pioneer space. Like there are people, uh, especially in Cape Town, that are developing uh, in the Web3 domain, but um, not, not, not nearly as enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think I, I can definitely relate to that. And the reason why I wanted to end off on that was that we have come to the, the end of our thing, or at the end of our thing, end of our show. I want to thank you, Dave. I think it was actually such a cool conversation. We'll definitely have you on again. I want to bring Anthony on so he can come and tell his cool stories himself. And um, yeah, and for everyone that's listening, you, you can go to Dave, just tell everyone where they can find you on socials and your website. Yeah, so our website is orbitpartners.io. And then, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Orbit on Instagram. And yeah, we're looking for, always looking for new clients and to help people build their ideas and dreams. No, fantastic. And again, I mean, we'll have Dave on and I think, uh, I think as we grow, we'd like to bring on more content to just to understand what other projects you're working on. I think that will be pretty cool. Jono, as always, do you have any final remarks for, for our viewers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came, through, uh, came across a lovely movie called The Great Beauty. It's an Italian film. And it was, um, the, the narrative was, you know, primarily dedicated at keeping your roots, you know, as an individual, especially during these times of decadence. And there's a lot of distractions and, you know, money and all that type of thing. If you can remain rooted, I think that's the, the main thing, yeah. Amazing. You know, you know, so thank you so much. But you know, it's something <laughs> that I learned today, and it's a saying that was from Gary Vee, actually. Yes. And it, it goes like, and it's, it's surprisingly the first time I've heard about this, maybe you have. It, it's man has a plan, but God laughs. Oh, like, wow. Essentially, meaning like amazing. we all have a plan, but he's just laughing at us like, yeah, it's just you guys comedy, have no control of this. It's yeah. amazing. Brilliant. So I think it's, I think it was brilliant. So everyone that's listening, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as to our Spotify mm -hmm. and Apple accounts. We'll see you next week. Thanks everyone. Thanks Dave. Thanks Mike. Thank you. Thanks John. Thank you. Ciao guys.